On this latest installment of Locked On Texans, we will be joined by our brother, our friend, Mr. Brandon K. Scott from Sports Radio 16 as we talk about everything regarding the Houston Texans heading into their week four match against the Los Angeles Chargers. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to a Friday edition of the Locked On Texan Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode is brought to you by Brightco Jewelry and Watch Insurance. Brightco brings you comprehensive, fast, affordable jewelry insurance for as low as $5 per month. Check out your special offer for Locked On listeners and get covered in under two minutes at brightco.com forward slash locked on. That's brightco.com forward slash locked on. You already know what it is. It's your boy, John. I don't know why I open it up like a, like I'm about to drop it. Like I'm about to premiere. <laughs> I thought you was freestyling. With the, with the flex bombs. and uh, You already know what it is. But uh, I'm John, some sports guy Hickman. Joined, of course, by Cody Davis. Back home. Friday show. Back home. Back home. Back to your real home, Houston. Mm, yeah, got that right. Uh, not bad rules. How, how was it out there? Covering the Rockets at Baton and not bad, Rouge and Lake, Lake Charles. Lake Charles, man, it was fun, man. It was really, really fun. You know, busy. Had an opportunity to watch Steven Silas do his thing, man. And all I can tell you, kind of similar to what I said about this franchise doing training camp, a lot of hope and promise. I just hope that they actually live up to that hope and promise. Unlike, mm, you know, this franchise right here. But, you know, hey. Led by Davis Mills. And normally we do the <laughs> YouTube comments and... We will continue that trend for today, but we're going to do a YouTube comment, and that is from AJZ. AJZ? Okay. Uh, six days ago. Now, this is more of the unique comments that we will uh, feature on this show because it is a letter. I'm going to read this, and it goes by... My letter, to, my letter to Davis Mills for the rest of the season, Davis. And I'm not making this up, by the way, guys. Like this is a, you know, this is one of those when your girl is mad and she sends you a long paragraph and you respond with, "Huh?" But Davis, I don't usually do this, but it has come to this. Hopefully, Davis gets this. No pressure, of course. But let me begin to beg you now to use your legs this week and moving forward. For my Texans. What do you say? Hold on. For my Texans, I'm a proud beggar. <laughs> I don't want to see you come to the podium Sunday evening explaining how you're going to look at film and get better. I really hate to simplify this as if I know what exactly go is going on play to play on the field, but if the tight ends and wide receivers are not open or not getting open, then use your legs to either gain yards or shift the defense to help the wide receivers and tight ends get open. Hold tight. Here comes another begging request. Please don't be afraid to go off script in the moments when we got to have it to make play for the offense if the play is breaking down. I really want to support you, and we have a chance to be in first place this week. This has no relevance to my point, but I think I read somewhere that our offensive line ranks near top 10 in pass and run block, according to PFF rating. Anyways, I can't stand to see another pivotal fourth quarter drive Watching ball sail over and beyond Nico Collins, seven foot nine wingspan. Please, 
please make this Texan fan proud. I'm begging. If we go down, let's go down fighting. Leave it all on the field in the high leverage moments. Hopefully, this spares our defense, who are still bathing in the cold tubs after suffering through about 90 snaps per game so far. Thanks. I'll repost on a few videos, so maybe this message will probably that will probably never get delivered gets delivered. Well, <laughs> Jason, it has gotten delivered. And you know, I, I think that this is the fun thing, the YouTube comments, right? I think like this is our opportunity to not maybe in person, but virtually have these type of conversations, have the fun and get this emotion out of Texas fans. <laughs> I loved it. It comes off as dear mister, I hope you never write your fans. This will be the last letter I ever send again. Stan Eminem song. Uh, but I love this, honestly, man. And, and I think he is one of thousands of Texan fans that understand coming into a rookie doing a, doing your pro day or, or whenever you ran your 40, you ran a 4-5 or along those lines. Like, we know that you have some type of speed. Understanding that we've seen you go off script somewhat before uh, last season and make plays. I would even allude to the play on Sunday well, he broke out of the pocket and hit Philip Dorsett. That was another play that he made. And it's like, why isn't this featured more out of you, Davis? And I don't think it has anything to do with Pepper Hamilton. Sometimes the player that's on the field has to make the play. And in terms of Davis Mills, we haven't seen him consistently, sometimes at games, during games so far, not at all, make these plays that I think for a lot of fans and people out there watching the Houston Texans, their thought process is, if you've done this before, you should be able to do it again. Hmm. And first off, kudos to that letter. That letter was very accurate, I would like to say. And John, you know, I believe you and I actually talked about this one day last week. As a matter of fact, you know, Davis Mills does has the attribute to use his legs. And, you know, we sit here and talk a lot about how the office are not able to sustain their drives or whatever the case might be. But even if, like that letter said, if somebody is not open, just use your legs. I can't remember what play it was. I mean, what game it was. I don't, I don't remember if it was a game against the Denver Broncos or the game against the Chicago Bears where nobody was open. The pocket started to, to collapse. And Davis Mills rushed for, what, eight yards, got the first down. Unfortunately, it was brought back because Larry Tunsil got caught for holding. But... That one little moment should have been enough confidence for Davis Mills to say, you know what, I could use my legs to help the Houston Texans keep the ball on the offensive side of the ball. Now, with that being said, John, listeners and viewers, I'm glad that we actually brought up this letter because on yesterday, I had an opportunity to ask um, offensive coordinator Pep Hamilton, you know, are the struggles that we are seeing out of Davis Mills, is it more so that he is starting to hit or is in the midst of a sophomore wall and for those of you guys who don't know what a sophomore wall is you know regardless the sport every newcomer always go through a quote-unquote rookie wall but sometimes they, they don't hit their rookie wall and it doesn't come until their sophomore season um the best example i can get um that i can give literally 20 years ago carmelo anthony had a phenomenal rookie season but the beginning of his sophomore season, he started off kind of slow. Now, I just remember him sitting there talking about he actually hit a sophomore wall because at some point, 
you're going through your learning process and you get to the point where you're trying to process everything to where, okay, I know what I'm supposed to do on the NFL level, but it's a lot different from the collegiate level. How can I get to where I need to be in order to help my team? And a lot of these guys, and we saw last year with guys like Jalen Green as well, a lot of these guys hit this wall when the franchise say, you know what? This is your moment. This is your time to prove to us why we should trust you for the future. And what we've been saying throughout this whole entire offseason, this is Davis Mills' time. This is his time. And the one thing Pep Hamilton said, you know, he said as of right now, he doesn't fully consider him as a sophomore. And it makes sense because Sunday will mark his 16th game as a starting quarterback. So, quote, unquote, this could be like his last rookie game. But he also said, look, at the end of the day, the one thing Davis Mills has to has to get is experience. You can't rush experience and you can't teach experience. And I'm hoping, hopefully, if Davis Mills get past this sophomore wall and he gets that experience, he could turn this season around. But, John, that letter, it, it was one of the best YouTube comments we ever had. Yeah, you know what? And, and again, why I like it is because this, you know, speaks for, I think, like I said, thousands of Texans fans. They all feel this way, and, and, and I love it. And I know I probably uh, butchered that name. So, a, a Jay-Z, if you're watching this, please let me know if I said it right or how to say it. Um, but this is real emotion here. Mm. And what makes it even better, I, I think it's real emotion that was beautifully laid out. Like, the entire – Davis, comma. <laughs> Go down one. Like, this was a real letter. And I think you got to appreciate it as a fan. You you have to just sit back and appreciate it and understand that, like, even with the sarcasm, uh, the, the fourth quarter, he said, watching ball sail over beyond Nico Collins' seven-foot-nine wingspan. Like, that sarcasm there mm. was like, he should be able to catch it. If you're selling the ball that far over him, you know where you're throwing it to. Again, I loved it. I loved each and every part of it, and we're going to talk to Brandon Cake Scott. What an incredible letter, and we got some incredible information for you guys. This episode is brought to you by Brightco Jewelry and Watch Insurance. You got a watch, got some jewelry, got something that you wear, like, look, right here. Need that insurance? Brightco brings you comprehensive, fast, and affordable jewelry insurance and for, less, for as low as $5 per month. Check out our special offer. For our Locked On listeners, get covered in under two minutes at Brightco forward slash Locked On again. Right here around my neck is the two things that I love the most. Hmm. Rockets and my wife. And I have insurance on all of it. And I got some through Brightco. Trust me, guys, you do not want to skip out on this if you have a jury that you really love. So that's Brightco.com forward slash Locked On. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to this Friday installment of Locked On Texans, which means we have our guy, Mr. Brandon K. Scott from Sports Radio 610. Brandon, what's good, man? Man, I'm living good. You know, man, just enjoying the week, hoping that, you know, this could be the get-right game for the Texans playing against mm. a team that they beat last year, a team that has, I think, underperformed in a lot of ways. They've they run into some bad luck, the Los Angeles Chargers have. But this is a team that the Texans played well against last year. And so I'm thinking, hey, you know, why not Why not get back right again <laughs> this year against the Chargers? I'm not feeling great about it, 
But I am I am a little bit hopeful that uh, you know come come Monday when it's a reaction Monday on Sports Radio six ten when you and John are doing the podcast uh, your immediate reaction that you are reacting to the first Texas victory of twenty twenty two. <laughs> Hopefully, man, because it's crazy because it seemed like we should have had at least three victory Mondays, but yet we had two losing Mondays and. We didn't even know what to call a tie. We called it like half victory, half not, but it is what it is. But, Brandon, as we enter week four of the regular season, one of the biggest talks throughout this whole entire week leading up to the Texans' home game against the Los Angeles Chargers was what in the world is going on between the Houston Texans and Res Burkhead? And that came about because on Monday you had an opportunity <laughs> to ask Coach Lovey Smith about Rex Burkhead not only being utilized on the field, but utilized so much in the passing game. And we remember going back to week one of the regular season, Rex Burkhead ended up having more carries than Damian Pierce. Brandon, what is your take on the Houston Texans utilizing Rex Burkhead so much? Well, Cody, the thing I was trying to highlight in asking the questions was the fact that we all know that Rex Burkhead has not been productive in these first three games. Like, there's no way around it. But it's especially striking to me when you look at the teams that they've played against. Okay, so the first team they played against was the Indianapolis Colts, and they got Jonathan Taylor. He's top two, top three running back in, in the game. Uh, and even he has an adequate backup in Naheem Hines. Now, Naheem Hines didn't see a lot of touches in the run game. He was targeted a few times in the passing game and they for the most part were able to just rely on Jonathan Taylor because he's Jonathan Taylor. I mean, he's, he's, he's that guy, you know, and, and Damian Pierce, I, I like a lot as a rookie, but just obviously not yet that guy, you know, not, not to me, someone that you can rely on to give every carry to or expect to carry your team just isn't there yet. And to me, that would be an unfair and unrealistic expectation, but then you go with the next two opponents. Okay. You look at the Denver Broncos, and what they were doing with Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. And then you look at what the, 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 the Chicago Bears were able to do, even when David Montgomery went out of the game. You know, they got Khalil Herbert, who steps in and proceeds to immediately start running all over the Texans, which, which goes to show you most teams, and even Lovey Smith, when he asked, answered the question, spoke to this, most teams got two guys that they can rely on, two guys that they can hand the ball off to, and, and can rely on to carry the ball. And the Texans right now do not have that. And it is, it's a problem, okay, for, for any team, even one that's a, a, a pass-happy, pass-focused type of team. But for one who stated identity, and we talk a lot about the stated identity on this show, whatever I'm on, a team whose stated identity is to be a ground-and-pound team that, that uses the run game to set up the pass, to open up the pass. Uh, but once very much central to their identity to be running a football if for a team whose stated identity is that it's it is again striking to see that they don't have a second guy to go to after their first one especially given that their top guy is a rookie who has not carried this kind of load ever in his career it's not damian pierce's fault you know but it is your fault as an organization to not give him more support better support not in the locker room not as a mentor not as a confidant, but as just another guy who can carry the ball that can be relied upon within the offense, someone better than Rex Burkhead. Um, and, and maybe maybe it just comes down to 
to be fair to them, Cody, maybe it just comes down to they expected more out of Rex. They thought they were going to get more out of Rex, something closer to what they saw in the Chargers game last year or what they saw in the Tennessee game, the last Tennessee game last year, the last game of the season when he was really good. Maybe they thought they would see more of that um, this season. And it was part of the reason why they brought him back and part of the reason why they believe in him and keep feeding him. You know, but that that just has not been the case. And to me, honestly, it shouldn't have been it should have been a plan either. You know, um, the plan should have been to go younger and, and and quite honestly, to go with someone that's more explosive and, and to have to have Rex there as somewhat of a luxury in terms of veteran presence and a guy who can do some things. But when you get to the point to where you're relying on him on the to the level and degree that they are. To me, it's a major problem, and so I, I want it at the very least for the you know Texans brass to be on record and be able to have to speak to that. Mm. Brandon, um, we talked a lot about Rex Burkhead, and you know, going into Week Four of the regular season, you know, there's been a lot of talks about negatives, and it seemed like everybody is kind of giving up on the promise and the expectations that we have for the Houston Texans going into this new season. However, what have been your take on the Houston Texans rookie class as of right now, especially the play of Derek Stingley Jr. and Jelly Petrie through the first three games of the season? Yeah, I, I've been saying, especially since Sunday, after the, you know a disappointing loss to a team that you know you feel like is beatable, and, and like you said, all games, all these games have been close. You know, at some point, it has felt like they had a chance to win every game and have not won any of them. Uh, but I've been saying since the, at least since the end of the last game that if there is a positive to take through three weeks and the fact that your your team, if you're a Texans fan, your team is winless through three weeks, if there is a positive thing to take from it, it's the fact that you've got at least four rookies right now who look like legit immediately look like legitimate NFL players. I'm not saying that they're stars yet necessarily, even though I do think there's some star potential, honestly, within all of them. But already, immediately, immediately, Derek Stingley Jr., Kenyon Green, Jalen Petrie, and Damian Pierce, obviously, this is called the top four rookies, are all good NFL players. You know, like you're, you're a better – I think you're a better football team because all four of those guys – are on the team. Like, I also think that there are also upgrades from who occupied those spaces previously. Like, Derek Stingley is, an, is a clear upgrade from any of the cornerbacks that they've had in recent memory and has a chance to be the best cornerback that they've ever had if, if things go along the lines of the projection with him. Um, uh, Kenyon Green certainly is an upgrade from anybody that they've had play guard there in a long time and certainly anybody that they have playing guard there now. Jalen Petrie, I think, is honestly an upgrade from uh, from either Justin Reed or Eric Murray. And I'm somebody that likes Justin Reed, but I think Jalen Petrie has the potential to be – maybe, maybe if, he, if he's not an upgrade already, he certainly has the potential to be one. And honestly, I think he is. Like, if you look at the games that he's had and how active he's been – both around the line of scrimmage and in the passing game with those couple of interceptions that he had in Chicago on Sunday. Like yeah, that, that feels like a legitimate upgrade. And of course we talked about Damian Pierce, you know, um, as somebody who immediately upgraded their running back position and is the number one running back now and would have been the number one running back on that team last year too, um, if they had any sense if you know, he was on the team. So I think it is the one bright spot it, or if, if there was one bright spot to point to, 
and something to lean into and say, hey, I can feel good about this with my team, even though they've let these games slip away and I don't feel good about them winning in necessarily any particular game, don't feel great about picking them in any game. At the very least, you can monitor and like a reason to watch the games is to see how those players continue to either develop and even if they stay along the lines of what they are, they're pretty good, like already as rookies, they're already pretty good players. And the hope is, the expectation is that a rookie don't just stay a rookie or just stay what he is there. He'll develop and he'll get better with time and with experience. So each each and every one of them, the, the, the four that I've mentioned, I know Thomas Booker got to see some, uh, got to see some action. I want to say even starting against uh, at some point, I got to see action even against uh, against Denver. He only was out there. Yeah, he did. Game. So he's played the last two games. Um, you know, like you like you feel good about the rookie contribution now. But at the same token, I don't feel as good about the sophomore class. I've been on radio, and I want to say you mm. were talking about that, feeling feeling that there's a sophomore slump. You don't feel as great about Davis Mills, Nico Collins. It's not that you don't feel as great about him, but his success is so much tied to Davis Mills and the play calling, which are two things that are points of criticism at this point. Um, Brevin Jordan is injured, and when he was out there, wasn't necessarily super effective. Uh, Garrett Wallow's been injured, and when he's out there, hasn't necessarily stood out. And then you got Roy Lopez, who's pretty much just still being Roy Lopez. Like, you feel good that a six-round pick could, or was he a seventh-round, a late-round pick like that, six, seventh-round pick like that can come in and start immediately as a as a uh, as a rookie, albeit on a bad team. But I mean, it, it just doesn't feel like you're getting a lot there, but. As far as this rookie class, you know, I, I don't feel like I don't see how you could feel any other way other than good about it. Thanks for making the Locked On Texans your first listen every day. Be sure to check us out on Monday for the recap episode. Now make your second listen to Peacock and Williamson NFL show. Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson give you expert NFL analysis in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. One. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to this Friday installment of Locked On Texans. And, Brandon, before we talk about Sunday's game against the Los Angeles Chargers, I do want to take a look at the Houston Texans' run defense. Um, Is it fair to say that the criticism that the Texans are taking due to their inabilities to stop the run might be just a little bit overboard? And I only say that because... Yes, I understand as of right now, they are giving up 203 yards on the ground. That is terrible. I do understand that on Sunday against the Chicago Bears, this is a defense that um, gave up nearly 300 yards on the ground. However, Brandon, I do want to go back to how well they played against Jonathan Taylor in the run week one um, against the Indianapolis Colts where they held Jonathan Taylor and the whole entire Indianapolis Colts under 100 yards before the fourth quarter collapsed. And the same thing against the Denver Broncos. They held their rushing attack over 100 yards through the first three quarters. And then, of course, the fourth quarter, there was this epic collapse. And every time I take a look at the Texans' run defense, it's like they'll do their job all the way until they get tired due to the inabilities of the Texans' offense not being able to sustain their drives. Yeah, Cody, I, I think you bring up a pretty good point here because while it, it's impossible to ignore the data, like the just the numbers themselves, like there's no way around what they're giving up. Mm-hmm. And I think I think coupled with what you just laid out, the the, the 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 rushing yards that they're giving up per game and per attempt overall, 
I think when you couple that with the fact that their best tackler and the guy that's leading the league, tied for the league league and tackles at this point is a safety uh, in Jonathan Owens. Like when you look at that together, it tells you that they are not overall performing against the run as well as they need to be. In fact, that they're, they're just flat out performing poorly against the run. But to your point, I do think that there is something that could be said for, I put it to you this way. I don't think that it's unrelated. Okay. Mm. That the offense has the struggles that it has and that the defense does this bend, but don't break thing where they get the, 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 the offense, the ball back in most cases, either only just giving up a field goal or like I said, just bending but not breaking. And then the offense goes out there and fails and it's not able to, to sustain drives or and, and at times have long enough drives. Like I think there is a correlation between the offensive struggles and the defense sort of appearing to tire out toward the end of games. But I also think that they could just flat out be better against the run. You know, I think it's a problem as far as it is a problem for the Texans that the secondary seems to be like their best tacklers right now. You know, and that, that just shouldn't be the case. Like Jonathan Owens and Jalen Petrie. And I was saying this, Cody, I was saying this with you and John after that first preseason game that, and, and I just didn't realize it was going to materialize in this way. That this is how it's going to kind of build out to be that not only do I like Jalen Petrie and Jonathan Owens in a run game and think that they do a good job. I was talking about that after that first preseason game. I remember. But then that it turns out that, no, not just are they good in the run game, they need them. You know, they need them in a way that uh, that reflects poorly on the guys up front. Let's just say it like that. Mm-hmm. You know, the front seven, uh, the, 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 the defensive line and the linebackers have just not been good enough. Uh, particularly in the run game. And then the linebackers is twofold, haven't been necessarily great in the run game and have been awful in uh, in the past game. So while I think that there is some, there is a way to explain the struggles that the Texans are having in the run game, especially late in the game, I also think that it's just undeniable that how much of a problem it is that they can't do a little bit better than that against the run. And, and let's be straight up about it they, this is a, a problem that they've had for a while like and the upgrades that they made up front okay the upgrades that they made up front were more, more so in the pass rush and and it's not like you know their pass rushers haven't been good in the run game you know like jerry hughes and jonathan grenard hey, i know jonathan grenard's been here but jerry hughes is the namely as the upgrade that we're talking about or the, the addition that we're talking about has just been good flat out for the most part uh there have been times where he's disappeared, but overall, I, w- I would say it'd be hard to really uh, quibble with the performance that you've gotten out of a 34-year-old Jerry Hughes. I think Rasheem Green has been pretty good for them. Um, uh, Mario Addison obviously has been hurt, um, but uh, Okoronko is somebody who I think has been a bit of a disappointment. Oh, that, yes. I will 100% agree with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Both in the, as, a, as a pass rusher and, of course, uh, like we mentioned, it hasn't been good overall from the defensive line in the run game. Um, but yeah, no, nah, man, they just need to be flat out better. Like, you know, it, there are reasons for it. And I think the offense could do them a lot of favors by sustaining drives and also being a little bit more efficient. Uh, cause I do think these things work hand in hand, but man, it's just hard to, to overlook or to excuse, uh, the amount of yardage yards per, per carry and the fact that their safeties are their best tacklers. Mm. Brandon, last question before getting out of here Sunday back at NRG stadium. <laughs> 
the the o two and one Houston Texans will be taking on the one and two Los Angeles Chargers. I think through the first three weeks, at least in the city of Houston, when you take a look at the little bit expectations that we have for the Houston Texans going into the season, I think these two might be the two most disappointing teams. Um, like I say, at least in Houston, because everyone thought the Houston Texans would be at least better than the production they're showcasing on the field. And of course, everybody, including myself, thought everybody in the every team in the AFC West was just gonna just dominate the league. And it seems like only the Kansas City Chiefs got that memo, but that's neither here or there. Brandon, when you take a look at Sunday's game, do you feel like this is the game where the Houston Texans get back on track and get their first victory of the season? Well, b- before I get to the game, I do want to disagree with one thing that you said, only an aspect of it, mm-hmm. uh, but, but agree with the rest of it. The Texans have somehow, somehow the Texans have both been disappointing and overachieved. You know, it's, oh, it's, it's a, yeah, it's a really, <laughs> and here's what I mean. Let me explain. We understand the disappointing part, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they haven't been able to finish games. They've been in every game and just have not been able to win any single one of them. And so it's been a disappointment from that regard. But if you had told me that the Texans would be as competitive as they were against the Colts, like, remember when I picked the game, I told you they don't match up well against these guys at all. I don't see a scenario. Yeah, where, I remember the, that. where the Texans can win this game. I don't even see it. And lo and behold, the scenario was there, man. They were supposed to win the game. <laughs> they was up 17 points. You know, they should have won that game. So I would have been wrong about that. Like in that way, it may be overachieved is not the right word, but at least in my, in, from my standpoint, they in some ways proved me wrong in terms of how they competed in that game. I didn't think that they were good enough to compete with the Colts. You know, I, I thought now I thought the Colts were better than they showed. Okay, so there's a little bit nuance there, right? Texans may be a little bit better than I thought. Colts not as good. Same thing with the Broncos. Texans a little bit better than I thought. Colts maybe not as good. I'm sorry, Broncos not as good, and really more so on that one. No, Broncos damn, so good. not the Broncos, boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then the the Bears game is the one that was the first game that I that I picked them to win. Is one that I would really call disappointing because. I thought that, you know, especially once their best offensive weapon went down, I thought that was an opportunity for them. You know, a team confidence in his quarterback clearly and shouldn't because he's not really good in the passing game, is a threat in the run game, but is or at least scrambling, but is not a good passer yet. Um, and then they lose their best offensive weapon behind that fact. You know, the thing that they lean on is giving the ball to David Montgomery. They lose him, and then Khalil Herbert comes out and has a career game with this <laughs> You know, and it's like, you know, no no offense to Khalil Herbert, but I thought that was an opportunity for them given what the Bears' deficiencies already were to begin with and who they lost very early on in the game. So I wouldn't call that one an overachievement. I thought they overachieved a little bit in their first two games. So, so uh, I think that they are – the results and how the games have ended and the fact that they can't finish games has been disappointing. We can all agree there. But them overall and how competitive they've been in games, to me at least, has been somewhat surprising. They've had an opportunity mm-hmm. to win every game and could very well be three and zero. Like we could, you change a thing or two here and there, and they could very well be three and zero right now. And if that had been the case, I'd be super surprised right now. You know, I'd be very, very shocked. And the fact that that's that, that's the thing that we could even say is is possible because of how closely they played these games, to me, in some ways, means means that they've overachieved in a way. 
Uh, but I, I totally get how they've been disappointing because that's what we've talked to death over the last three weeks, how they can't finish no damn games. <laughs> so uh, so that is a, that is a, sort of an interesting dichotomy of just your perspective of how you maybe how you look at it, glass half full, glass half empty, so to speak. But as far as this game on Sunday, Cody, this is the first time. So it was the fourth game of the season now. Mm-hmm. It's the first time all year that I have waffled and gone back and forth. Every game I've said with my chest, hey, man, Texans going to lose this game. Hey, man, Texans going to win this game. And turns out the only one I guess I've been right about is Denver because they tied. They didn't lose. They tied against Indianapolis, <laughs> and they didn't win like I said they would against the Bears. They lost. And so this one, man, I have tried to – to balance the idea that, hey, uh, a lesser Texans team performed well against the Chargers last year. And, you know, why, why can't they do that again? Why can't Davis Mills have his best game of the season again against the Chargers? Why can't they replicate that against a, a Chargers team, by the way, that has been a disappointment? That's the part where we agree on 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, have, they have been disappointing. They do have some some names and some faces on that defense. Obviously, Joey Bosa is out now uh, with that groin injury, but they do have some names and some faces on that on that defense. But I mean, you go back and look at them play against the Jaguars and how Jacksonville carved them up. Now, <laughs> that's not me sitting here saying that the Texans are as good as Jacksonville offensively, because I do not think that that's the case. I was watching Jacksonville. I was I watched that game envious of both teams <laughs> at the weapons that they had, at the quarterbacks that they had. But I did come away, and I guess this is related, but I did come away from it a bit underwhelmed with the the Chargers defense, considering how talented they are and are supposed to be. Underwhelmed with how they played versus how talented I believe them to be. Mm-hmm. So I look at that and I'm like, okay, well that should that should play out well for the Texans if the you know, the Chargers aren't playing up to their potential, and, and we've seen the Texans play well against them in the past. You know, maybe they have a chance. But then I look at it, and I'm like, man, they are still just better than them in every way. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, offensively, you look at it. They do have the thing that we talked about earlier in the show about having the two running backs, you know, in Eckler and Sony Michelle, neither of which I think is great, but both are credible running backs in the NFL. Texans don't have that. Okay quarterback you know justin herbert i've been on the justin herbert i've been a justin herbert guy since the very beginning since the first time i saw him play a game in the nfl i've said hey that guy is special okay let me be early on that one okay but however he throws a lot of low percentage throws i think it's because he's incredible and has such a belief and the coaches rightfully so have such a belief in him but he throws a lot of low percentage throws and i feel like a lot of wasted uh throws with him uh throws the ball away a lot uh, decision-making is shoddy at times. Um, and, and I think that they can have, again, they can just have some wasted downs and you can benefit from that if you take advantage of opportunities, which you haven't shown yourself to be able to do so far this year. Um, so I have wanted to talk myself into this being, I even tweeted about it on Sunday, this being a get-right game for the Texans, okay? Can they get right against a Chargers team that just continuously underperforms and underachieves, but it's hard to do. It's hard to do when you look at the talent, even the defense. Like I mentioned, you're like, 
well, man, they still got, I mean, Asante Samuel Jr. is still good. Mm. You know, like Derwin James is still, I haven't looked at the injury report. He's playing, right? Uh, like, I believe uh, so. I believe he was just limited in practice. Yeah, he's yeah. Same thing with Keenan Allen, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and Keenan Allen on the offensive end didn't play in the last game, but is in that conversation of, you know, with the best route runners in the game with Devontae Adams and Stephen, and, I'm sorry, Stephen, Stephon Diggs, you know, uh, Keenan Allen, he plays before the Chargers. And again, they're always underachieving. I think it gets buried a little bit, but he's right there in the conversation in terms of route runners. Uh, I think that's going to be a huge challenge for Derek Stingley if Keenan Allen is right. Hmm. You know, um, I just, it's just hard to look again when you think about how they match up against the team. It's hard to look at it and say, yeah, they're going to win because <laughs> I like the vibe from last year. And I, and I think that they do for a win. And, you know, it's all just me trying to talk myself into it, but I don't see it, man. I got, give me the Chargers. Let's call it, ooh, man, I'll go 27 13. Chargers mm. over, the, over, over the Texans and we'll be glad to be wrong. We'll eat crow on here next week. Gladly. Yeah, not just next week, but even on Twitter when we all hear me on the radio, we'll, glad, we'll be glad to be wrong for the Texans to get their first win. I just don't see it. <laughs> and with that being said, that concludes another Friday installment of Locked On Texans. Brandon, really quick, where can our listeners follow you at on social media? And you also said it. You eat crow on the radio on Sports Radio 16. Be sure to tell them where, when they can listen to you on that radio station. Yeah, man. So at Brandon K. Scott on Twitter, make sure y'all follow me. Uh, I'm on the radio within the loop every Thursday at 11 unless something changes, unless there's something in the schedule that makes that change. So check me out there. And I'm here and there, you know, filling in on the station. I'm going to do some. I'm going to do a couple of shows, a couple of morning shows later on in October. So y'all stay out for that or stay, uh, keep a lookout for that, I should say, and uh, follow me on Twitter to find out exactly when that is. But I'm going to do two morning shows at the very least in October. So check that out. And, of course, the B-Block podcast every week, you can check that out. I'm actually going to cross post this, uh, do an intro and let this interview live on the B-Block podcast uh, mm. over the weekend. So y'all can, uh, y'all can check that out. And there's some other stuff in addition, too whatever I'm talking uh, Astros or Rockets or anything else that, that might be on the mind. So plenty of content to get to, uh, plenty of discussions to be had, but uh, at Brandon K. Scott on Twitter is the central place to find that. And as always, I'm your host, Cody M. Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. And be sure to follow my co-host, John Hickman at John Hickman underscore 12 until next time ladies and gentlemen peace